To promote my new flower shop, I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now with Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply. In-store only. And 623-18. This podcast contains explicit material that may not be suitable for all listeners. For those of you brave enough to stick around, enjoy the show. Oh, here I go. But let your players get near me. Holler if you hear me. Oh, here I go. Welcome to the We Still Booze Podcast, brought to you by WideRightNattyLight.com, your one-stop Iowa State online blog shop. Throw me the bootleg and I'm gone. Then I take a few steps and I do left and the people take a deep breath and I'm up in your end zone. 816 boys, we repping connected with Iowa State. Play out a position and it's checkmate if you hesitate. Welcome Cyclone fans to a special edition of the Wide Right Natty Light Podcast. Uh, we're roughly a day away before uh, commits will sign here on Wednesday on signing day, so we thought we'd do a little preview here. Uh, we'll have Matias tonight and then Alex Halstead from 24-7. Uh, we're going to talk about those sirens that were sounding once again today. Uh, Matt Campbell and company got another another commit, a big-time commit, and then what the class maybe looks like as a whole. So at this point, I'm going to bring in uh, Matias. Matias, do you ever get tired of hearing those sirens going off? Nope, I'm just waiting for the day the five stars start popping in names. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it'll only be about a year or so, I think, and then uh, he should exactly. definitely be uh, committing there with uh, Nick Saban and company. So I'm also going to bring in Alex Halstead. Alex, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, how how crazy is this last week before signing day for you? Yeah, it's always interesting. Thanks, guys, for having me, first of all, and I – it's, you know, kind of just weird feeling because you kind of cover from the beginning of the cycle and then all of a sudden there's like this finality to it in these final days. And you know, then February 2nd, it'll start with 2018. So it never really fully stops, especially I think with this staff, they're always kind of recruiting next people. I mean, um, they just offered today as we talk uh, a 2018 in-state kid. So they're continuing to put out offers already for the next class. But yeah, I think it's it's been an interesting time. And this last week's always hectic because you know, you see schools come after some of their commits late, and then um, they're still trying to add those final pieces. So it's always kind of an interesting time, but a fun time, I think, to see the finality of a class that you've covered for 12 months come together. Well, we're going to see what, how that class actually ends up shaping up on, on Wednesday as commits actually sign their letters of intent versus just giving the verbal commitments. But there's another verbal commitment today, uh, Keontae Jones, uh, brother of a Cyclone uh, freshman, just committed today, uh, safety out of Ohio. Can you kind of talk about, a little bit about his uh, commitment and what that means to this recruiting class? Yeah, really big commitment for Matt Campbell and his staff. You know, when you look at uh, Keontae, like you said, he's the brother of Deshante Jones, a year apart uh, out of Cincinnati Colerain. And um, it's interesting because uh, Keontae was offered December 10th, 2015, so about 10 days after Matt Campbell ever got to Iowa State, they offered him. And um, for those 13 and a half, um, getting closer to 14 months that they've been after him, he's been a priority. And 
Um, much like Deshaunta, his recruitment kind of went to the end. And, you know, Iowa State was hopeful, I think, in these final weeks. You know, it sounded like um, they were optimistic about landing him, but he just took a visit to Virginia Tech over the weekend uh, before this announcement. Indiana he had visited in December. And so you're going after a kid that has some other uh, very quality offers. And um, big to land him, though. Uh, he's a six foot one safety that could play early. Uh, he's in the class now, uh, the second-ranked prep commit in Iowa State's class, fifth-ranked commit overall. And so, you know, he's one of the top guys in their class, and I think it gives them that last little splash before signing day in terms of a big name to get, especially when you're beating, you know, a school like Virginia Tech who um, has put a lot of defensive backs in the NFL. That's something that they sell defensive backs that Iowa State has competed against them for. And uh, Indiana's a school that's been recruiting better, especially after their coaching change. So a big get for them, and I think especially for the fact that this is a kid that they've wanted for, you know, 13-plus months. And to get him um, is big for the staff, especially just what it signifies, um, you know, beating some of those other schools. You, men- you mentioned that he may be able to play early. Is that something that the staff has, you know, envisioned him doing, or is it too early to really tell on what his prowess may be within next year's team? Well, that's a message they've had for most of the defensive backs they've recruited. Um, safety, I know, is a little bit different than cornerback, but when I've talked to cornerback recruits, uh, they basically said that, you know, when D.K. McDonald has come in, he said, you know, I'm not recruiting you to come sit. You know, if, I'm not saying you're going to play right away, but if you come in and you look good, you have a chance. You know, when you look at Arnold Azuna from the 2016 recruiting class, uh, he was on that too deep early on, especially when Nigel Tribune was just suspended. And, you know, Matt Campbell told me recently that Azuna would have played in 2016 if they didn't have so many seniors. And so that's kind of the same thing they've sold defensive backs for 2017 is, we graduated is what they're saying. We graduated, you know, three cornerbacks. And so that's what they told Richard Bowens, a third, who's already committed and signed it on campus and will go through spring ball. That was something he really liked. And it was something Keontae Jones liked at safety. You know, you obviously um, have Kamari Cotton Moya and Mike Johnson played and Everett Edwards. You know, there's some pieces there, but I think they've sold him that playing time aspect and that's something he likes. And, um, you know, what he told me was, when John Haycock, the safeties coach and defensive coordinator came in, he kind of said, you know, he can play that star safety position. He can play strong safety. And so they kind of like the different things he can do. And that's what Matt Campbell likes in his safeties is guys that can play pretty much any safety, but also play cornerback, which I think we kind of saw DeAndre Payne and Everett Edwards do last year. Those safeties are versatile enough to play anywhere. And that's kind of what Keontae can do as well. There's a couple fifth-year grad transfers, uh, offensive linemen. They're going to step in right away. Do you think this is kind of a, a band-aid approach to the filling the offensive line, or do you think this is something that the staff will continue to try and do yearly? Get one like a Brian Bovic last year, and then this year they are fortunate enough to get two of them, uh, adding some senior leadership to that offensive line and providing depth. What? I think eventually they'd like it to be more of a do it when you, when you have to, um, you know, this year, I think these two guys that they get kind of are more um, bridge the gap type guys. Like you mentioned, uh, when you get a guy like uh, Khalil Rogers from USC and David Dawson from Michigan, both of them will play on the interior on the offensive line. What it really does, I think is bridges that gap to 2018 because they really like Keenan Forbes from the 2016 class and Josh Mueller from that class. But those guys are maybe a year away, even Bryce Meeker, who, started a game last season and will be a redshirt sophomore this year. If you can get him 
to playing a little bit, a few more snaps in seven, 2017, but not having to really throw them into that fire, you know, that really buys you another year for some of those guys. And so I think that's mainly their approach this year is kind of bridge the gap to some of those younger guys. But once you get to 2018, you know, they brought in five prep offensive linemen from that 2016 class. They've got five prep linemen in this 2017 class. I think eventually they like those guys that they recruited at the high school level to be able to just play. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the approach they have, but I think right now they've had a lot to sell these graduate transfers. I talked to David Dawson coming from Michigan, and that was one of the things. Um, his only visit he took was Iowa State because he said, you know, Tom Manning kind of sold him on that, and he wasn't told he's going to come and start, but he was told he has an opportunity to win either the left guard or right guard job, and that sold him. And Khalil Rogers, too, you know, he was supposed to take an Ole Miss visit later um, this spring. Uh, Baylor wanted him. North Carolina wanted him. But Iowa State had the playing time to offer him at either center or guard. I assume it's going to be center, but um, he hadn't told me yet for sure. So Iowa State has playing time to start right now, and they can get some of those guys that can come in, bridge the gap, and then you know provide some depth where Meeker can now be a backup maybe next year. And uh, Oge Udugu, I know who, who's really come along, can either be a backup or compete. So they've got a lot more options and depth at that position because they get these two grad transfers. You mentioned some of these guys uh, developing depth and things like that. Um, many of the fans have kind of discussed along Twitter and things like that about Sean Foster. Is there anything that kind of has developed late on him? I know they didn't want to burn a red shirt on him last year, but is he is he maybe one that they think he can step up into the starting lineup next year, or is he kind of one of those ones they may sit and wait for another year? Well, I think he's definitely going to get a chance. Um, you know, again, going back to the opportunity to talk to Campbell here during the dead period, I had a chance to talk to him, and I asked him about some of those guys, and he told me Sean Foster. I didn't bring up his name. He brought him up himself, and he said Sean Foster's a kid that in the spring will compete for a starting job. So um, he is a kid that was on the two deep the entire um, 2016 season as a true freshman, and we know how difficult it probably would be for a true freshman to play Big 12 games on an offensive line. But um, physically, you know, when you see him, he's physically impressive, and um, now he gets another spring ball in off season to continue to work in that weight program. And Campbell said he'll get a shot to compete at, you know, that tackle position to start in 2017. And I think that's the thing about this offensive line now, especially that you got two grad transfers is they have options because Julian Good Jones, we know last spring went through spring as a center. So, you know, maybe if your best two tackles are Sean Foster and Jake Campos, you can put Julian Good Jones at center and then use Khalil Rogers and David Dawson at the guard positions or things like that. I think just the fact that they've got some guys that are position flexible, like Julian Good Jones, and they've got more depth, they can kind of shift that line to find the five best, which is something Manning has really talked about is he doesn't like to say, Hey, this guy's got to be a left guard or this guy's got to be a right tackle. Uh, if they can move around, he likes to just find the five best guys. And so I think having Foster in that mix, having Julian Good Jones, someone who can move around uh, plus the guys they just added, make an interesting spring, I think. Even though those grad transfers won't be there in the spring, I think it'll be interesting to see how they can start to shift those around to find the the best offensive line. Kind of going to shift the gears on you here from offensive line to defensive line, but many of us are wondering, at least in the wide right Natty Light crew, um, we've been having a few discussions on him, but Camilo, Camilo, Camilo Tongamoa, what's the status on him? And I'm not sure if I butchered that name, but quite a doozy of a name to throw out there. Yeah, definitely a tougher name. Camilo Tangamoa, from what I know, so I think you said it right. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that 
you know, we have at 24-7 is the 28th overall Juco in the country, one of the best Juco defensive tackles. Um, you know, from what I've heard, uh, Camilo Tangamo and Ray Lehm are considered probably the top two prospects in this whole class for Iowa State. Um, and I think even bigger gets in terms of just the fact that Iowa State really needs guys on that defensive line in the middle. But, you know, the situation with him right now is Oregon has come hard after him. Um, Oregon, I think, has been confident that they could flip him uh, through this process. He took an official visit there right out of the dead period. But in the week since, I've actually kind of heard more cautious optimism, I think, around his recruitment that he eventually would land at, still land at Iowa State. So I haven't heard anything other than that recently. Um, you know, you never know for sure, I think, in recruiting because – you know, anything can happen. I think Oregon people still are confident because his recruitment is really quiet. You know, I've talked to Camilo probably a handful of times, but um, he hasn't wanted to do much talking in January. I think it's just kind of uh, gotten to that point where he just wants it to be over with. But um, right now I think Iowa State's optimistic that come Wednesday he will still sign with Iowa State. Um, he's become close with Ray Lima. Um, the staff has been after him since the spring, and I think um, that loyalty means something to him. So it's going to be interesting, but I think – if they do get him, you know, it's kind of telling, you know, these guys, you know, just when you look at other schools have come after him. Um, with Camilo, Oregon has come after him. TCU, he's turned down a handful of other uh, West Coast offers. Ray Lima, we know, signed a few days after that period started because UCLA, Cal, Arizona State, um, and some and TCU um, and some other schools came after him and tried to flip him, and he decided to stay with Iowa State. So I think that's a positive for fans, at least. You know, it's the con is that you got to kind of sweat it out if you're Iowa State and if you're a fan. But the pro is that, you know, schools want these guys that you're getting now. And so um, – but right now, to answer your question, you know, I think there's some optimism that Camila will still land in names. Alex, part of the trouble of recruiting at Iowa State or any any school in Iowa State situation is you get these commits from these guys early and then you almost have to keep – you keep recruiting them every single day until – uh, until they sign on, on National Signing Day. So with that being said here, as, as other bigger schools possibly are, are learning that some of their uh, recruits are going other directions, they start they start to poach, if you will, some guys from schools like Iowa State. Are there any other guys besides uh, who we've just been talking about here recently that are in danger of being poached by other schools? Well, there's some guys that have had schools come after him. Uh, receiver Josh Johnson has had schools come after him. He told me Notre Dame had continued to make a push um, through the fall and I think into the winter, Minnesota, some others. Um, he actually told me that he blocked some schools. Um, he was solid. He was kind of sick of recruiting. He knew he was going to go to Iowa State. So there's no danger in losing him, but I think it's interesting that schools have continued to go after him. Uh, Cordarius Bailey is a defensive end that will play Leo at Iowa State, the same position as Jaquan Bailey, uh, Arizona and Louisville, some other schools tried to push him late, but he came on his official visit from January 20th through 22nd and told me uh, after that visit, he shut things down and he's going to sign with Iowa State. Um, so that's good news on those two. The one I think is going to be interesting to watch, and I, you know, right now I still think he's going to be solid, is uh, Charlie Kohler, a tight end. Now when you look at him, you know, he's got really impressive numbers from his uh, senior year, 1,000-plus receiving yards in Class 6A in Oklahoma. Uh, playing in Norman, Oklahoma, and so a lot of visibility there. Now, Iowa State's been his main offer. He committed back in June. His recruitment's been shut down. But Oklahoma State offered him on Sunday night, and Oklahoma State lost its tight end, um, who was flipped um, to Baylor. And Charlie Kohler, obviously from Oklahoma, his brother's a quarterback at Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State's now offered trying to flip him from Iowa State. So 
Uh, I think it would be interesting to watch that here in the final stretch. But, you know, Iowa State's been, you know, after and had Kohler for quite some time. So I think right now he's solid, uh, but we'll find out more. You know, he was going to let me know kind of what his final plans were, and I hadn't heard yet. But um, you, know, you hope with Iowa State that your long-term relationship pays off over a school coming in late. The only reason I think there's any worry at all is the fact that his brother plays at Oklahoma State. He's an Oklahoma kid. Uh, but at the same time, they're offering two days, two, three days before National Signing Day, which um, kind of shows also that maybe he's that backup plan. I want to take a minute to just kind of talk about this class as a whole. We've been talking about a lot of the individual parts. Where does it where does it stand now, especially with the Jones commitment, as far as uh, nationally and, and Big 12, and maybe compared to where this staff was at last year recruiting in just a couple of months? Uh, compared to their their first recruiting class where they've had a full uh, 12 months to prepare for? Yeah, right now on 24-7, they're right around the 50 mark um, nationally, which um, you know I think is, is good for where they've been in the past. It's a little bit better than what it was even last year in 2016. But I think the thing that's more impressive um, to look at rather than just a team ranking, because that can kind of also be skewed by, you know, if Iowa State has 23 commits, another school has 25 or – one school has 14. Iowa State's average composite ranking right now is 8427. And um, even if they add another commit and it goes down, I think they're going to finish above the 84 mark, um, which would be their highest on record at 24 uh, 7, which would be last year's in 2016, which was 8266 for the average composite. So that's more than a point, probably about a point and a half better than their best on record, which was last year. So I think it kind of continues to show the progress that the staff has made with longer relationships of getting talent. And um, what it really shows more so than that is the depth of the class. You know, right now they don't have anybody below a composite of 80, which would be the lowest three-star you can be. So, you know, they've got a deep class. Uh, They got 14 14 of their 23 commits right now are above an 84 composite. And, you know, so I think that's the thing that stands out to me when I've looked at the class here as signing day approaches and tried to figure out, you know, what some of the main takeaways are is just the depth and, you know, how good it is really from top to bottom. You've got some guys that are really good at the top, like Camilo Tangamoa and Ray Lima and Orion Vance and Keontae Jones and guys like that. But even at the bottom, you've got some guys that are still got some offers and um, have some pretty decent ratings. So uh, right now, you know, in the Big 12, they're seventh right above West Virginia, and West Virginia is still filling out their class. And so it's going to be really close, I think, between Iowa State and West Virginia for seventh and eighth. Um, but Iowa State will for sure finish above Kansas and Kansas State, and then they're right there with West Virginia and Baylor's right ahead of them. So, um, you know, when you look at the average composite ranking, they're actually right there with Texas Tech, Baylor, West Virginia. And so that's kind of a better place for them to be is, in terms of some of those metrics is in the middle of the Big 12 rather than at the bottom. Um, you mentioned the, the staff having longer relationships and things like that. Is this staff doing anything different than what we have seen Iowa State staffs do in the past, um, you know, compared from Campbell to Rhodes to so on and so forth? Are they doing anything different that would make them have these commits come in, or is it just, you know, just their ability to recruit? Well, I think they're doing a couple things different that, you know, that, that at least stand out to me. One of them is just the length of the relationships, and I don't think we'll really see it pay off until 2018 more so, but they offer kids really early, um, you know, I mean, we talked about Keontae Jones at the top. You know, he committed here now, but they'd offered him 13 and a half months ago. And, you know, they were they were an early, pretty early school on him, even though 
he has some inter- big interest right away. But um, I guess a good example would be even looking ahead to 2018, how much these relationships could pay off is Trevor Downing from Creston, Iowa. Um, he's going to end up being one of the top players in the state of Iowa, um, probably the top offensive lineman in the state. Iowa State offered him on December 3rd, 2015, so Matt Campbell's third or fourth day on the job. And it's already been now 14 months. By the time he signs, it's going to be about 26 months from Iowa State offer to him signing with the school. And so that's, you know, quite a bit of time, you know, two plus years. And so I think 2018, you think of how many offers they've already put out. They're already putting out 2019 offers. The relationships are going to continue to be extended. And that's something that um, I hadn't noticed covering the previous staff is just they put out offers early to try to get ahead, to try to build relationships before other schools. You know, you look at Trevor Downing, and now he's got offers from Iowa, Missouri, Minnesota. LSU wants him to come down. Oklahoma wants him to come down for a visit. Uh, they haven't offered, but they're looking at him. Well, Iowa State offered, like I said, that December 2015. Iowa was his second offer this past Thanksgiving, so another 11 months later. So that's one thing I've really noticed with this staff is how quickly they get it on them kids. If they like their film, if they like them, you know, they don't wait till, you know, after a certain season or after a certain date, they just offer them. And so that's one thing I think that's helped them get in on some kids that other times, you know, if you wait, you might be too late to get on them. And then the other thing I noticed with the staff is they put a lot of emphasis on their walk-on program. You know, Matt Campbell's talked a lot about eventually he wants a 105th guy that goes to fall camp to compete with the 85th scholarship guy. And, uh, you know, he's done in-home visits with walk-ons. They brought in a couple this past weekend for official visits. And so I've noticed those two things um, really mostly when you, when you talk about what's been different about this uh, coaching staff. You mentioned the, the walk-on program. I've noticed just a ton of walk-on uh, either committing or talking about uh, their visits and how hands-on Campbell is when it comes to the walk-on program. Is that modeled after after any one program? I know he looks at a lot of Urban Meyer tape. I don't imagine that Urban Meyer probably does much with walk-ons, but is there somewhere where he gets that from? Did he just bring it from Toledo, um, or is there is there a model that he's trying to follow in building up that walk-on program? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a mixture of things. I think partly it is Toledo. At Toledo, I think you kind of have to a school like Toledo, maybe a smaller school, you have to kind of score on some walk-ons. Um, just as much as you have to kind of score on some under-the-radar gems, you know, as Iowa State fans, I think, you know, sometimes you've got to take a shot on a kid, you know, a couple kids in the class. And I think it's the same thing with the walk-on program. Um, When he talks about walk-on programs, I think Urban Meyer, like you said, is one. Um, He's brought up Nick Saban's program, and I think he's even brought up Clemson before. Just, you know, obviously Clemson's had a player, um, his name slipped in my mind, has caught touchdowns in, in the national championship game. And he's kind of brought up that, how, you know, are you going to have a ton of walk-ons that do that? Maybe not, but uh, you have to have walk-ons that compete to create depth. And so um, I think that's kind of where he's modeled it it after. But I've talked to him or recruiting people at Iowa State for interviews um, different times, and it's been brought up multiple times by different people that they want that 105th preferred walk-on to be competing um, for a spot, you know. And so, you know, it's been interesting because they, you know, this last class they brought in walk-ons from, I think, Indiana and Ohio, you know, they recruit walk-ons, you know, it's not just like you get to the end and you're like, okay, you know, we'll take 10 guys. Let's just go find 10 guys. You know, when they're at summer camps, I think they're actually recruiting and scouting walk-ons. And um, like you said, when you brought up the uh, recruits saying Campbell's been hands-on, you know, I've talked to a couple recruits who were shocked that, you know, this last week before signing day, 
he came to their school or to their house. You know, he came to see, spend time doing home visits with walk-ons. And so uh, it's definitely been an emphasis for him. Oh, we've, we've gone through the walk-ons and things like that. National Signing Day is, well, Wednesday. Are there any National Signing Day, you know, surprises that may pop up for Iowa State, or is this class pretty well buttoned up? Well, I think it's basically done. I think there's one name to really watch on Wednesday, and that's going to be wide receiver Treek Milton out of Florida. Um, he's from Manatee, Florida. And, um, you know, I think he plays in, in a pretty big conference, and he was offensive player of the year, I think, in Sarasota, Florida. So um, a really talented player that kind of fits the Deshante Jones mold. I think he's five foot eleven or so, uh, caught a thousand passes for a thousand plus yards, rushed for another two hundred and fifty. So he's kind of that multi purpose guy that can play that M position and um he's visited Iowa State twice, you know, June twenty fifth he came for an unofficial visit, paid his way from Florida, then he came for his official during the season. Now his recruitment's been really quiet. Um he had early offers from schools like Michigan State and some other big ten schools. Um I think he has ten plus power five offers. Um but there's been different reasons for his recruitment being slow and now it's been quiet. Um, right now in the crystal ball, you know, he's trending towards Iowa State. Uh, he'd be the one guy that I think, um, if everything goes smoothly here, uh, he would be a name to watch on National Signing Day. But outside of that, um, barring any flips, you know, people flipping from Iowa State, um, it doesn't sound like any surprises right now. But, you know, Jaquan Bailey last year, oh, every, everybody thought he was going to Virginia Tech and it happened. So maybe something else could happen. But right now I don't think Iowa State expects anything to happen except for maybe – uh, uh, Tariq Milton to give them three wide receivers in this class. Alex, after the 2017 class is kind of wrapped up on, on Wednesday, when could we expect our first commitment of the 2018 class? Yeah, that's going to that's gonna be interesting. I kind of started thinking about that tonight. You know, how close is a guy like Trevor Downing that they've been in on for 14 months or guys like that? Because typically, you know, when you see a guy commit early in the class, it's going to be a in-state kid. You know, they're in after right now. They've got offers out to six Iowans. Um, Trevor Downey, they've been after for, you know, 14 months. They've been after John Wagner, a defensive end from Dowling, who's a four-star um, since June. And Sabian Clark, a four-star running back um, from Bishop Heelan in Sioux City, um, really since April. So they've been after some of these guys for quite some time. And obviously Devin Moore in this 2017 class from uh, Cedar Falls committed on November 30th of 2015. So way back. Um, before he was ever going to sign. So it's going to be interesting. I think we're going to maybe see something in February, but uh, I think for sure you'd probably see something in March because uh, February they're going to start to kind of ramp things back up. I think the first week or so after signing day will be slow, and then you'll start seeing junior days for these basketball games where they bring kids in, and that's when kids really start to decide if they want to commit or not. So um, Orion Vance was obviously second commit, more of a more natural commit than Devin Moore, and he committed right after a junior day in February. So maybe they get someone like Trevor Downing or another Iowan or even a Midwest kid to a basketball game and kind of blow them away. Um, and I think that could be the possibility. And then also maybe a quarterback, you know, quarterbacks tend to commit really early. They're after a quarterback right now in Ohio who they've had a relationship with for quite some time. He told me he wants to get to a basketball game. So and maybe if he got blown away, but uh, I think maybe February, but I think for sure March. Um to tail it back to these fifth-year guys, Rodgers and Dawson, um, what are the rules towards them? Like, can they leave whenever they want, or are they pretty well solidly in? Is it, or you know, what, what's the situation there? I guess for them, because we've seen kind of like the situation of Tyler Catalina last year. Are we 
you know, I don't foresee anything like that happening, but, you know, what's the kind of the forte on that? Yeah, that's a tough situation. I know I've, I've got to ask that question a little bit by some fans who are maybe antsy about how that situation happened last year. And uh, both of them are expected to sign financial aid agreements, and that's not binding, though. I mean, technically you can sign, you know, five financial aid agreements if you wanted to. And so they'll sign financial aid agreements, and that allows Iowa State, I think, to announce them and, and talk about them and um, guarantees them their financial aid at Iowa State. But you're not signing a letter of intent that locks you into that school. So technically they're not really locked into Iowa State until they graduate and then enroll at Iowa State. I think once they're enrolled, everything's good. I think the positive, like you said, that it's not foreseen to be the same situation as Tyler Catalina is. Tyler Catalina was coming from an FCS like Rhode Island, and um, he hadn't really had a lot of visibility. So Iowa State, in a sense, kind of put him on the radar, and then other schools went after him. Whereas, you know, David Dawson and Khalil Rogers, I think the positive is, coming from schools like Michigan and USC, people knew they were available, you know, when you're that big, when you're um, the number three, number number three overall guard in the country, the number one overall center in the country coming out of high school. You know, people knew who they were. Um, and both of them have already kind of been there, done that at a big school. You know, they're both just looking for somewhere that, you know, I think Dawson told me he wants to win and at least get a shot to show what he can do for NFL scouts. And so they're kind of looking for something different than I think Tyler Catalina was, which is the one positive. And they've already been heavily recruited, whereas Tyler Catalina was kind of, I think, more awed by these SEC schools coming after him. Alex, we appreciate you taking the time tonight. Uh, it's been really informative. Uh, you definitely definitely know your stuff, so we appreciate you coming on and giving our listeners a little little bit of nuggets here before we get to signing day. Where can our listeners uh, follow you at and, and catch your work as we lead up to signing day and then get started on that 2018 class? Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm on Twitter just at, at Alex Halstead and um, and then, you know, at really CycloneAlert.com, I think, directs you um, to the Iowa State site on 247sports.com. And, uh, you know, should be a busy couple of days here leading up to signing day with just kind of different stuff. And hopefully I'll have more information on Charlie Kohler and Camilo Tangamora, you know, as those things get more sorted out. But then after that, it's really, like you said, right on to 2018. With the, and then within the days after, as they start to put more of those offers out. So never really stops with this staff. But I think a lot of fans like that, that, Recruiting is just kind of a 365-day-year thing for the staff. And, Matias, we appreciate you joining tonight as well. I know you'll have some nuggets for us on Wednesday as things kind of start to become official. I know you're breaking down offense and defensive line on wide right and Eddie Light. Uh, where, where can our fans catch you on Twitter? Uh, just at Matias, W-R-N-L. Uh, that's me on Twitter, and – Alex, thank you for hopping on it. You know, it means a lot when we get guys like you to talk about us and, you know, be a little bit smarter about these things than what we are. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always interesting. I know it's kind of fun to, you know, see, you know, kind of you guys doing recruiting and everybody kind of into recruiting because I know a lot of people – so there's always some crazy people about recruiting, but it seems like a lot more people are, um, you know, really liking to get into recruiting uh, with this new era, so to speak. I think that's absolutely right. I, I, I can't say as though I was tremendously into recruiting when it was uh, competing against the Air Forces and Wyoming's of the world, but uh, now that you you can see some progress and uh, there's a little more effort being made on the recruiting trail and they're making some headway, it's, it's definitely a little more fun to keep tabs on. So, gentlemen, I appreciate your time tonight. Um, We'll look forward to talking here in the future and possibly talking about some of those signing day surprises here in a couple of days. 
this is Austin signing off for Wide Right Natty Light. Until next time, go Cyclones. This summer, wherever you're heading in the great outdoors, make your first stop the Home Depot for off deep woods or active sweat-proof bug spray. Right now, get any three for just 10 bucks in your backyard or in the woods. If it's long-lasting protection you want or sweat-proof performance you need, when off goes on, bugs go away. Stock up now on off deep woods or active bug spray, three for just 10 bucks. Only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing while supplies last.